Our reading this evening is John chapter 1, verse 43, which is on page 1064. If you've got a church Bible, they're kind of around on the chairs or underneath them. On page 1064. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you when you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You shall see greater things than that. He then added, I tell you the truth. You shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. This is the word of the Lord. Good evening. It's great to be here and to witness this wonderful occasion, to hear those testimonies of Dan, David, Emily, John, Sarah, and how they have decided to follow Jesus no matter what, and uh, what, a, what a wonderful occasion that was. So well done for doing it and speaking so boldly. You should be very proud of yourselves. Um, if you are a guest here um, this evening, you may have been invited along by one of our, our fellow candidates, baptism candidates, and uh, you may be looking on and wondering, what is going on? This is maybe very different to those christening services I may have once gone to where they wear a nice dress and things. It's slightly different. You know, what have they done to my friend? What have they just signed up for? Well, well, over the next 20 minutes or so, I aim to give some explanation of why anybody, especially well-educated, young, not particularly bad-looking people, would make such a decision and commit to following a man that supposedly died 2,000 years ago. And we're going to look for some of the answers in the Gospel of John that's just been read, a book that tells us that it was primarily written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and by believing, you may have life. In short, the primary purpose of this gospel that was just read to us is that we can have faith, and through believing, we can have life. And from the sound of things, you know, Daniel, David, Emily, John, and Sarah have all decided that having faith in Jesus, being the Son of God and following him does, in fact, bring life. So let's look at what our passage tells us about what it means to be a follower of Jesus and how that can bring life to us all. So let me just pray for us. Lord, we thank you for this great occasion. We thank you that there are you know, angels in heaven rejoicing about what has happened today. And we ask that as I speak about your word, that uh, you would make it clear and easy for us to understand. In your name, amen. 
Now, I don't know if you noticed at the end of uh, the baptism, the liturgy that Stuart uh, led us through, uh, the candidates uh, had to repeat. No, we actually said something to the candidates. The first thing it said, it was fight valiantly as a disciple of Christ. Now, these five candidates, now you are disciples of Christ. You mean, what does that mean? Well, at the start of Jesus' ministry, we see him calling the very first disciples. And this would have been normal practice for a Jewish rabbi, a teacher, were, were traditionally surrounded by learners, which, uh, which is what disciples means. And in Judaism, the student was often left to find a teacher for himself. And this is a model that we see still copied uh, today. And if you walk into any bookshop and you find your way to the spirituality section, you'll find autobiographies of people who have devoted themselves to, to, to the spiritual life throughout the years. And very often they will talk about how they spent many years seeking out a spiritual leader to follow. They may have tried out the ideas of different gurus or philosophers. They may have sat at the feet of great preachers and wise teachers trying to decide who to follow. But as with many things, Jesus' model is a very different one. Right at the start of our passage, the scene is set for us as Jesus decides to head to Galilee. And that's when the encounter with Philip begins. And the first point is actually really easy to, to miss. Right at the start of the story, John says, Jesus found Philip. You know, Philip, he didn't find Jesus. Jesus found Philip. And the truth at the heart of the Christian faith is not that we find Jesus, but Jesus has found us. And that is the narrative that we see, uh, we see, we find throughout the entire Bible of a God that is constantly in pursuit and seeking out his people. Now, right from the beginning of Scripture, you can open right at the beginning of Genesis. Uh, if you remember in Adam and Eve, they ate that forbidden fruit and I realized they were naked. They were embarrassed. They were shamed. And what do they do? They hid. And in verse 8, God is walking in the garden and he's looking for Adam and Eve. And in verse 9 it says, But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? Where are you? Right from the beginning of creation, God has been seeking us out and finding us. Um, a few years ago, um, I was in France with my family, and one day, I, I'm not very good at French, so I, I got out of the house and needed to go a bit of shopping, took the kids with me, and all was going very well until I discovered I had one less child with me. And um, I had lost my eldest daughter, slightly careless of me. And at first, I decided I was going to follow my footsteps back into different shops, and I realized I walked into a considerable amount of different shops, and I couldn't find her anywhere. So that, that, that sick panic started to fill with me. And uh, I started to ask random people in my very bad French. And I started shouting out her name. Every shop I'd go into, I was just shouting out her name. Couldn't find her anywhere. 
Eventually, I, we had to get some of the, 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 the police there and give her a little description of what she looks like. And after half an hour of, uh, of searching for our little girl, we, we ended up having to have this whole shopping center. It's a giant, a large thing, completely shut down, entrance, exit shut down as we were searching for my daughter. After the longest 45 minutes of my life, we did eventually find her. Um, she um, had wanted to play hide-and-seek, but forgot to have one detail, one de important detail. She forgot to tell anybody she was playing this game. And um, she had hid behind some clothes in her wardrobe, and another fatal flaw in her plan, she hid behind some clothes in her wardrobe, and she had fallen asleep. <laughs> and she was later found by a, a browsing shopper who, after moving a few clothes away, just discovered this sleeping child there. And uh, this girl, she was completely unaware of the lengths that had been taken to search and to, to find her. Now, the reason I tell you that story is I believe many of us are unaware of the lengths God has gone to bring you home. Like my daughter, we can be asleep, you know, not knowing uh, that we are lost until someone comes along and maybe wakes us up and says, you know, wake up, wake up. Your father is looking for you. He is desperate to take you into his arms and bring you home. And you might think, well, why does God really care about me? You know, I've done too many things wrong in my life for him to care about me. But that, I want to tell you today, is just simply not the case. You know, I didn't consider stopping even for a millisecond of searching for my daughter. I didn't think, well, I have two other perfectly good ones at home who don't foolishly run away. I will just make do with that. I should count myself lucky. No, I wanted to find her because I love her. God's love for you far outweighs anything I could, some, you know, have for my daughter. And he will not stop waiting and searching for your return. As I was uh, writing this, just the, the story in Luke 15 of that wonderful story of the prodigal son. The father who after being rejected by his son, the son who runs away for worldly pleasures. The father, he doesn't give up on his son. But he waits day in, day out, night in, night out for his return. And in Luke 15, verse 20, it says this. And while he, this is the son, was still a long way off, the father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The father was waiting and searching for his son the entire time he was lost. And right at the end of that little story, he says to his older son, who's a bit miffed the fact that he's welcomed, the father's welcomed his son back in. You know, why do you have a massive party for this kid who's run off with all your money? And the father says, we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive. He was lost and is now found. We can often feel it is up to us to find God. And if we try really hard and search him out, maybe on some kind of spiritual journey on some lonely mountain somewhere, then maybe we'll find him and we will be enlightened. But that is simply 
not the case. That doesn't mean it wouldn't happen that way, but that is not the way uh, we see Scripture teaching us. The Father is the one who is searching for us. The question is, are we willing to be found by him? In our passage, Jesus finds Philip and is issued a single command. And the same one that we're all given, follow me. Follow me. And Philip, he does just that. He was minding his own business, but he's, then he's, he's, he meets and encounters his loving father. And he, does, uh, the, the, he doesn't need any more convincing. And he decides, I'm going to follow him. And this is not just a quick weekend visit. I've got a few hours to spare Jesus. By doing this, he leaves everything behind. You know, his work, his family, his possessions, his ambitions. It was all left to follow Jesus. When I was a youth worker in the past, I would often be asked by the youth, the youth group if, if, if they can be a Christian and still date, or if they can be a Christian and still drink, and if they can be a Christian and still go out clubbing. And as I got thinking about it, I ended up saying the answer is no. Not because of any of those things are particularly bad, but because there is, because their question, can I be a Christian and still do dot, dot, dot. And it told me that they wanted to keep something for themselves. That I'll follow Jesus in some areas, but I need to hold this stuff back for myself because this is important to me. But that is not what Jesus is calling us to do. That is not what our baptism candidates have publicly stated. This is a call to follow Jesus and make him the priority in our life. Nothing else can take center stage, no matter how worthy it might be. A little earlier, our, our baptism candidates, they did stand up, didn't they? And they were asked, do you turn to Christ as Savior? And they said, I turn to Christ. Do you submit to Christ as Lord? I submit to Christ. Do you come to Christ the way, the truth, and the life? I come to Christ. That's pretty radical stuff. And it, following Jesus is a massive commitment that demands every aspect of our being. This is not a tag on. This is not like a downloadable app that you can have. This is just, this is all of us. He demands everything. That doesn't necessarily mean that if we are followers of Jesus, we won't make mistakes and fall short of God's call for us. But being a Christian involves us all saying those vows that these guys have said uh, on a regular basis and putting Jesus at the center of our lives every day. That's why next week we've got this thing called Commitment Sunday. We're asking the church to commit to following Jesus, commit to one another, and commit financially here. And that is so important to just put our flag in the ground and saying, I belong to Jesus. And we're going to you know, do a little service where we're going to get everyone to just say, that's what I belong. I belong to Jesus, belong to this one another, and belong to this church. So the first requirement of being a Christian is being open to being found by Jesus and choosing to follow him. The second thing we notice in this passage is what Philip did after he followed Jesus. He didn't go to theological college to learn stuff. He didn't even join a church. He didn't even get baptized. The first thing he did was to find his brother Nathaniel and tell him about Jesus. And what is so encouraging about this moment is that Philip, he didn't have to go and 
learn at great lengths what it means to be an effective evangelist. He just went and shared what he had just discovered. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. So often we think we can't tell people about Jesus because we don't know enough about the Bible. We don't know enough. But none of that actually matters. We don't need to be a theologian to be effective at telling our friends about him. We just need to be passionate for Jesus and he will do the rest. Maybe you are here because someone's come and told you about him and they're passionate about Jesus and you've come. I remember very clearly the first time I met someone who loved Jesus and she told me in a very simple way about him and how he loves me and how he seeks and desires to be in a relationship with me. And I could just tell that it was real to her. It just made, it was important to her. She loved Jesus and she wanted others to be found by him. So I decided in my innocence to say, yeah, I'm going to put my flag in the ground. I'm going to follow Jesus. Now you might be thinking, that's just too easy. You know, I'm not going to follow someone off the back of a testimony. You know, they were nice testimonies we heard earlier, but I'm not just convinced because of their experiences. You know, you just need to walk up into strangers into the streets and you'll hear a bunch of different views of how, you know, what are the meaning of life? Why should I follow you just because you believe it to be true? Well, Nathaniel in this passage had a similar response. You know, Philip, full of passion and enthusiasm, bounded up to his brother and to tell him, you know, tell him about Jesus. And he's met with, you know, really? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? It's like, really? You know, not the most encouraging reaction. You know, I... I love Jesus, and I would like everyone here uh, to know the person that has changed my life. But I don't expect everyone to believe in Jesus just because I'm enthusiastic about it, or just because I'm telling you about him. I want you to believe in Jesus because you discover that he's, he's real, he's true for yourself. And so how do you do that? Well, we could sit down and chat through some of your concerns or questions, and there's a place for that. But that wasn't Philip's way. He, he chose not to get into a theological debate about the merits of Nazareth or the geolog geological region or its place within the salvation history of Israel. He just said to Nathaniel, come and see. Come. No matter how many questions you get answered, there will come a point when you need to just meet Jesus for yourself, to come and see. Now, I could tell you, I could meet with you and I could tell you all day long how, how wonderful my, my wife is and why I think she is worth getting to know. And I, we could sit hours upon hours in coffee shops just chatting about how wonderful she is. But no matter how long we do that, they'll get to a point where you need to actually meet her to know if what I'm saying is actually true. It, just take my word for it, it's pretty true. But anyway, uh, it, it is the same here. You know, there needs to be a moment when what we know in our heads, what we hear from our friends, needs to become a reality in our hearts. And the Holy Spirit enables us to meet Jesus uh, in a number of ways. You know, we, we encounter him, uh, just maybe even coming to a service and just the Lord speaking to us. We can, there's many ways. You could be through reading his word, 
through hearing someone speak about his word, uh, maybe in times of prayer, through, through, um, through the wonders of his creation, maybe just seeing, wow, someone made this. There has got to be a creator out there. Through being part of a church family and seeing, seeing the, the work of Jesus at, at work in, in, in a family here. God is constantly seeking us out. And you can come and see him today. So firstly, to be a follower of Jesus means to be found by him. Secondly, to be a follower of Jesus means inviting people to come and see him. And thirdly, being a follower of Jesus means receiving peace and blessing from God. Jesus' response to Nathanael is important for us to, to understand. Uh, when Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him, he said of him, Here is truly an Israelite in whom there is nothing false. And Nathanael asked him, How do you know me? And Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Now, there are just two things we can, we can learn from here, which I think will be helpful for us to understand. For, to, for us to understand. First, it's to do with the word see. Now, I don't often just throw in the Greek, but, and this is a special occasion, folks. So, now, the word see has different meanings um, in the Greek. And um, Philip has said to Nathaniel, hey, come and see. And uh, the Greek word he used to see had the use of just using your eyes, you know, physically seeing something. But twice the word see is used in regard to Jesus in this passage as well. Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him. And he says, and I saw you while you were still under the fig tree. And on both occasions, there is a different Greek word for these words to see than the one that Philip used. Now, why am I saying on all this? Well, on, on these occasions, the word has nothing to do with physical sight, but more to do with spiritual perception. Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him and he saw in Nathanael's heart as he approached and recognized him for who he truly was. And then Nathanael asked, how do you know me? And Jesus said, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. And Nathanael's response to Jesus suggests that Jesus didn't just mean, hey, I spotted you earlier and I recognized you. And I thought, oh, or, or I thought, hey, you look like a decent guy. But that Jesus had always known him. He had always had his hand upon him before that encounter and before, you know, up to eternity. And in that moment, from that little encounter, Nathaniel's eyes are open and he goes from being a skeptic to declaring that you are the son of God, the king of Israel. There is a real sense of peace that we can get from the knowledge that not only is God searching for us, but he's had his hands upon us even from before we've ever become aware of it or before aware of him. And as Paul wrote in Ephesians 1.4, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world. So we never need to worry that God will leave us or give up on us. For he has known and loved us before the creation of the world. And I just think there'll be some of us here who just need to hear that today. You can hold your head up high to know I have been chosen before the creation of the world. 
And secondly, just the final thing I want to mention is it's interesting that Jesus says, I saw you under the fig tree. Because that phrase there is used in three other times in the Bible. In 1 Kings 4, in Micah 4, and in Zechariah 3. And for example, in 1 Kings 4, verses 25, it says, During Solomon's lifetime, Judah and Israel lived in safety, each man under his own vine and fig tree. Now, that may seem quite strange. Why am I saying that? Well, each time that phrase is used, sitting under the fig tree, it's a symbol of living in the peace and blessing which an obedient relationship with God provides. And so in this passage from John, Jesus sees Nathanael, and he sees in him that he's a, a, his obedience of a well-lived Jewish life. You know, he says, here is truly an Israelite in whom there is nothing false. He recognizes this guy has worked hard. He's, he's been faithful to God's word. And so in many ways, Nathaniel has known the peace and blessing of God on his life. But in a relationship with Jesus, there is even more for Nathaniel to receive. Far more than just an obedience to the Jewish law could give. And Jesus says to him in verse 50, do you believe because I told you that I saw you under a fig tree? You will see greater, greater things than these. I think Jesus is commending him for having been an obedient Jew. But he's calling Nathaniel to a deeper place of peace and blessing that comes through a relationship with Jesus. And as Christians, we know that peace and blessing can only come through a relationship with Jesus. And the more we allow Jesus to be the center of our lives, the more we know his peace and blessing every day. You know, we, we heard it in some of the stories that were said earlier. You know, a peace, even through the storms, though they may rage all around us, you know, Jesus keeps us afloat. You know, when we keep him at the center of our lives, we will see his blessing, his daily provision, and all that we could ever need when we keep Jesus at the center of our lives. So what does it mean to follow Jesus, to be a follower of Jesus? Well, it's to be found and to follow your loving Father. To be witnesses to others, to say, hey, come and see the life-giving truth that comes from knowing your loving Father. And to receive your Father's peace and his blessing every day. Jesus sees us. He knows everything about us, even um, our deepest needs. And if we follow him, as he says to Nathaniel in verse 51, you know, we will see heaven opened. So Jesus is a savior to be followed. And each of us are just given these two instructions, follow me and come and see. And today our baptism candidates have chosen to publicly declare and follow Jesus. And we are all invited and have been invited to come and see this, their, their transformed lives that point to Jesus. And so if you don't know Jesus today, why don't you go and grab one of these baptism candidates and, and, and ask them about him. You know, what, what has it made them to stand up and do that? Or maybe come and speak to myself or Stuart or some other team with badges on. And come and say, what makes you want to be a follower of Jesus? As we would love nothing more than to introduce you to the person that I have and we have chosen to follow. I'm just going to pray for us. 
Lord, we thank you that you seek us out and you ask each of us to follow you, no matter where we've been, what we've done, what we're doing at this current moment. You have a call for every single person. None of us are beyond your reach. None of us are beyond your uh, uh, desire to see coming back to your interrelationship with you. And so if you are here today and you would love to be found by the Lord Jesus, to respond to him, then just take this moment right now and say, Lord, I'm here. I want to come back to you. I'm sorry for turning away from you. I choose this day to follow you, to make you the center, the number one thing in my life. I receive your Holy Spirit. And I'm going to walk this day from this point onwards, following you for the rest of my life. Amen. If you said that prayer, then please do come and speak to one of us. It's a great joy to, to, to hear that and also just to chat to you a little bit more about that. Okay, why don't we stand? We're going to finish with a song. And uh, during the song, the offertory is going to be taken. Um, uh, yes.